the Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk. I'm Ken Crowther, and as well as answering your gardening questions on all things from cyclamen, climbers on north-facing walls and poinsettias, I'll also bring you some top tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden. Plus, our brand new Plant of the Week feature, all exclusive to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Let's start then with this week's Plant of the Week, which is Lanisra Fragrantissima. And the first thing to say about it is, it's not a climber. No, it's not a climber at all. And most people think of Lanisra's as being honeysuckles. Well, it's a shrubby honeysuckle. There are several in in the uh, in the family, but Fragrantissima is the one I like. It grows up to about two metres if you let it. I like to regularly prune it to keep it about three foot high. And it flowers from about now onwards. And the fragrance is like hyacinths. It really is. The flowers appear, they're like a two-petal, creamy, sort of like lips they have that they open up. No leaves on the plant at all at this time of the year, just those gorgeous fragrant flowers yes once the flowers are finished the leaf will come not an exciting leaf at all a bit like the honeysuckle the green leaf on the honeysuckle that's a climber very similar and it produces those red berries which of course the birds like to nick nip off them in the autumn it really is a great plant to actually have in your garden interestingly enough it was introduced as far as go as 1845 and what was funny was that one of the original plants was planted at Hatfield House by the Marquis of Salisbury now remember the Salisbury family are still there actually at Hatfield House anyway what was interesting is uh, during this time somebody wrote to America and say would they like a plant of this Lanisra fragrantissima and they wrote back all those years ago must have taken ages to get letters from America, but um, said that they'd been sent a propagated plant all the way to the USA, and it had come from the Marquis of Salisbury. How about that? That's when the first one was introduced to America all those years ago, and it first appeared in catalogues in 1860. Believe it or not, yes, in 1860, they had gardening catalogues of plants you could buy. So they are. Go out and get one for your garden. If there's one at Hatfield House, there's got to be one in your garden. Lanistra fragrantissima. A bush, plant it near the house so you can enjoy that fragrance. And I tell you what, there's no looking back. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Still to come on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, I will bring you some top tips on things you can be doing in the garden this week. But let's now hear what I said to George, who dropped me a note, well, a line anyway, on the screen from Frinton. What he's saying is that he's got a very, 
very good lawn. In other words, he cares. He's saying he cares for his lawn. He, in the summer, he mows it twice a week. It's like a bowling green, he says. And he's um, he's found that uh, he's had to walk on it because and it's funny because it was something we were talking about with Ray earlier on. Is that conifers? Some of his plants have got damaged, so he's walked out across the lawn. Will it damage his lawn? Is his question. Well, the answer is, of course, in no, it won't damage his lawn at all. It uh, it just that's the lucky thing about snow snow actually acts as quite a good sort of as i say it's like a duvet it holds the ground quite warm and in fact if you check the soil temperatures you'll find they're quite high which is quite useful because we have had some quite serious cold weather now let's uh before we go to the phones on 0300 200 4041 that's 0300 200 4041 um, I'd like to talk about a couple of things uh, one of them being I've had an email from Christine Carter and she's sent me a picture of obviously a bouquet of flowers or bunch of flowers that she's bought or received always rather nice a friend sent them to and they're so pretty I'd like to grow some now they're actually they are Lizzie Anthus now Lizzie Anthus um, is is a rather splendid flower because Lizzie Anthus as a cut flower lasts longer than most other flowers and in fact if you if you put them in a vase even uh, with most of our supermarkets giving you a seven day window for the for the for the flower to last, you'll find that actually they last a lot longer. Uh, they'll last up to two weeks usually in a vase. They last really well indeed. So that's Lisianthus, and those can be can be grown as well. So they are Lisianthus for you, Christine. Uh, if anybody has uh, tried growing them, give us a, give us a call on 0300 200 4041, and you can tell us how you got on with them, and that will be a help to Christine as well. Uh, another thing that came through the post, and it was nice, yes, a letter, a letter through the post, something that's quite unusual these days. Uh, when I think that when I first started working at the station all those years ago, we used to get bags of uh, stuff through the post, and now, of course, it all comes by email and text and everywhere, everywhere else. Yeah, uh, that number to call is 0300 200 4041. We're standing by to take your calls and then they'll pop them through to me here. They'll ring you back and pop them through to me here. Now, this is uh, quite an interesting one. It is from Elaine Mott. Now, Elaine Mott uh, from Boxstead, she says, she just wondered if you have any idea why my camellia, which seems a very healthy bush, uh, since last summer started to look as though it was reverting to variegated. Is this a possibility or has it got a disease? I've enclosed a photo of the bush. It is a very attractive bush. Uh, well sheltered, up against a wall, which is rather nice, and it's got some absolutely splendid buds on it. It really has. So, you know, it, it, it's a good plant. Uh, she says uh, she sent me a leaf sample, which is again healthy. Can you help? Um, and I'll tell you a bit about what she says uh, later on, Elaine Mott. But Elaine Mott, what you've got is called camellia mutation. Now, it's something that is very common in, in camellias. Um, it's nothing that you can do anything about, and it depends on the stock and where the stock actually came from. So in other words, they can vary quite a bit. 
So you could buy a plant and it never does that ever. You can buy another plant and that will continue to mutate just as your one has with this sort of variegation to some of the leaves. It may go all over the plant, it may not. And in fact, sometimes some of the plants that we buy that are variegated are in fact mutations that have been uh, bred through to give you that variegation. So in other words, it's not something unusual. Now, the other thing about camellias is, and the the fascinating thing is that we, we sometimes get people ring up and we say, ah, a branch of my camellia has changed colour. I bought a white one and it's gone pink or red. Now, again, this is camellia mutation. It also does that um, as well. And you can get sometimes a stripe, a pinky red stripe into a white flower. Uh, again, Camellia mutation. It's as simple as that. So they are they're things that you've got to, that you can think about in the future. Have you got a camellia that's changed colour? Sometimes it's because two plants are popped into the same pot and they're actually got them slightly muddled. That can be one problem, but uh, the other problem uh, is a mutation thing. So if you've got a camellia doing that, well, you've ended up with two colours instead of one. And if you've got the variegated one, well, you can boast that you've got a variegated uh, camellia. So there. Thank you very much for your, your note, Elaine. And if, Elaine, you talk about... And it was a long time ago when BBC used to um, do trips out and uh, do all sorts of things. And uh, she said she gave me wine gums... Uh, I do like wine gums, I must be honest. On a trip to Chelsea after winning tickets for the show, where did uh, where did <laughs> where we did a, a lovely question time, and that was with several other radio stations, and we did it in the large hall of the actual where where the uh, where the people live, and it was a, there's a beautiful hall there, and we followed by lunch, and we took a coachload of people, uh, winners of the of the BBC BBC Essex. Uh, competition that we had on the gardening program at the time who took them up to chelsea and uh, yes she gave me wine gums long long time ago i can't even remember it but uh, um that's that's when we used to do trips out here at the bbc essex so let's go to the phones now and don't forget that number to call is 0300 200 40 41 it's as easy as that give us a call what are you doing in your garden what are you going to grow this this coming year in your vegetable plot do give us a call 0300 200 40 41 don't forget text 81 triple three pop essex on the front angela from tolsbury hi angela oh good morning ken i what? hope you're all right yeah we're fine how how about you you managed to get to the bbc in oh this yes horrible the, weather yeah not too bad at all well i i have a beautiful cyclamen Yep. that bloomed perfectly last year. Mm -hmm. When it stopped, I laid it on its side and I now need to know how to restart it and when. Okay. So you should have, if, if it's an indoor cyclamen, you could have started yes. it, you could have started yes. it around Christmas time, really. Uh, oh. where, where have you got the plant? It's on the windowsill in my kitchen. Right. Ideal conditions because it's getting a bit of moisture around it and it's getting most likely very good light. Uh, I would start it off now with a bit of... Uh, uh, it's, in a, it's, it's in the same pot with the same soil, yes? Yes. 
the moment it is, yes. How many years has it been in that soil? Well, I only had it last year. Oh, well, fine. It did bloom. Leave it alone. It It was really lovely. Right, leave it alone in that pot completely and start giving it some warm, uh, tepid, not warm, tepid water. Yes, yes, I know. Don't overwater it. Give it a bit of tepid water and it'll... No, I I water it from the bottom. That's right. Start it off now and then give it a... Once the leaf starts to show, you would be better to give it a bit of a feed. Any either indoor plant food, anything like that. I've got some. Thank you. And I think uh, you let me know, Angela, how your cyclamen comes on in the weeks to come. Yes, because it had a bit of a disaster because my cleaner threw it out. Threw it out? What? Yes, she threw it out when it was frosty and it got a bit wet, but I retrieved it and I'm hoping it will grow. Right. As long as that, as long as the um, corn stays nice and firm, I sure you'll be fine. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Back to your gardening questions in a moment. But uh, right now on BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you should be getting on with in the garden this week. And in fact, if you've been looking at your Mahonias, particularly Mahonia Charity, that has been flowering, a lot of them have been flowering, from at least Christmas, possibly earlier. And uh, they've been looking really fantastic. They grow as a very large shrub indeed. And in fact, they can get sort of eight, nine foot high. Most gardens can't deal with something that large. So what I suggest you do is when you have a young plant, you treat it in this way. After flowering, you cut out that first cluster of leaf back to the next cluster of leaf and that way you'll encourage it to branch and you'll also get some new growth which will flower in the future. If you've got a very large Mahonia charity I suggest that you cut half the branches down by about a third, carry on cutting out that uh, cluster as I've talked about earlier at the top of the plant and then next year Do the same thing again and you'll reduce the plant dramatically. If not, they get top-heavy, too large for the average garden. And that's really not what we want at all, is it? (laughs) Talking of Mahonias, as we were, a lot of the Mahonias, other Mahonias, you can also prune back at this time of the year. nice thing about Mahonias is they've got a lovely yellow flower. It, uh, through the early early winter, or sorry, late winter into early spring, that sort of time, and uh, a lovely bright yellow flower. It's quite a joy in spring to see Mahonias flowering, but they can get a bit untidy. In fact, a lot of those ground cover ones, very untidy indeed. And what I do, actually, with Mahonias like that is I just pop over them with the shears and then rake it all off. Uh, Sometimes push a bit of fresh compost around them, give them a bit of nutrient and then give them a damn good feed when we get to the end of March and you'll find that your Mahonias generally are looking pretty good. Well, we'll get more tips for you for the next seven days later on in the podcast. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Colin in Harwich. Hello, Colin. 
Yeah, hello, Ken. Good morning to you. Trust you're well. Yes. Um, Keeping nice and warm. Uh, nice and warm in here it is, yeah. Oh, lovely. What can we talk about today um, with you? Yeah, Ken, I'm looking through the seed catalogues. You know what it is. You make a list, count up how much it costs you, and then divide it into three. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm particularly looking at, and, and I, I want your advice on this. I'm, I only want to grow a few tomatoes in the mm-hmm. greenhouse. But they have these um, grafted tomatoes now. Yeah. And, and they're, they're, they're not cheap. You know, then, I mean, no, they're, they're not cheap. For, three for about eight pounds. Yeah. Um, and, and it does say up to 75% uh, more product, which I think will up to can be anything from 1% up. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm thinking, um, are they an investment? You know, what I've, I've been wondering all week, what would Ken think about it? <laughs> well, actually... <laughs> he was just growing a few. Right, okay. Um, if I were growing a few, I have grown both grafted and non-grafted. Um in my experience, not, I haven't, I, only tomatoes I've done. No, that's not mm. true. I did grow some, I think it was aubergine as well. Um, I found that the grafted tomatoes did seem to produce more tomatoes, but the mm. important thing that I found was that they produce, of course, them earlier. You're not waiting um. so long. Now, if you haven't got, particularly if you haven't got a glass house, I mean, you're going to put them in the greenhouse, aren't you? Yes, Did you say? I've, I've yet to build the greenhouse. But oh, well, be, yeah. yeah. Well, you see, I didn't have a greenhouse. So instead of, say, buying a tomato plant that's quite small and you're growing it on outside, if you buy a grafted one at the same time, you'll get a tomato crop much quicker. And that's why I grew them. And it worked. I so, so from that... Yeah. And I got yeah, a good crop. Start producing quicker, won't it? Yeah. yeah how, I mean, how does one judge whether they produce more is very difficult because each tomato is different. And I'm inclined to try, try all sorts of different tomatoes and therefore I, I'm, I'm not very consistent with my numbers <laughs> and what I eat, you know. So it's difficult uh-huh. to judge on that. But I found them very good. But the expense, they are expensive, very expensive. Yes. yes. You know, which yes. is something I mean, that I, yeah. I think you need to consider, don't you? Yes, that's right. But even to buy seeds is not cheap nowadays, is it? Well, it's not as cheap as it used to be, no. But that's because the tomatoes have been um, you know, hybridised over the years. We're getting a much yeah. better tomato plant than we used to, and I think that is what we have to consider. Yeah? Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Um, you could consider also, if you're thinking of growing them from seed, you could look at some of those that are um, are blight-free, because there's a couple on the market that are blight-free, but you'll find, again, they're expensive. Uh, yes, I, I noticed that, because I, I noticed they do the same variety, yeah. uh, this particular catalogue. Um, oh, I forget. Uh, Crimson Crush, that's the yeah, one. Yeah, Crimson yes. Crush, yeah. They, they do it as a plug, a uh, grafted plug, and as seeds. Yeah. So really, you know, it. we'd be interested if anyone else has done the sums and actually worked out whether they get more per tomato plant if it's grafted. I, and I'm being honest and saying, I haven't. Um, are you thinking of growing any more grafted plants at all? Cucumbers, maybe cucumbers. I was looking yeah. at those as well. Yeah, you yeah, see, same... I, I only want to grow a few of each. Yeah, mm. I mean, if it were me... If you're, if you're, if it were me, I'd try it one year, decide, uh-huh. and possibly do two things: bit of seed and a bit of 
um, if you could, do a bit of seed and a bit of grafting and compare. And then the next year, well, you're, in, you're in a solid position to actually, you know, go for it or not go for it. Super. Super. Good so idea. I have, have sort of half answered and not answered. I've just said my experience mm. was you get them earlier, you get a good crop, and that's mm-hmm. why I did it. Yeah? Oh, I see, yeah. And get back to you. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> let us know how you get on. And if anybody else has grown grafted and thinks they're fantastic, mm. why not give us a call, 0300 200 40 41. What do you reckon, Colin? Yeah. Yep. Super. Get okay. that smashing. I think, I think we might go down that road. That could be interesting. Okay, Colin, keep us in touch and let us know how you get on. Um, I'm just going to go over to Shirley Ann in Chelmsford and then I'd like to discuss um, some plants with Roy as well. Uh, So let's go to Shirley Ann. Hello, Shirley Ann. Good morning, my dear. What have we got from you? Well, I've got um, a very nice plant. It's a Brunspecia, probably pronouncing it wrongly, Brunspecia passiflora which is the common name is yesterday, today and tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah, where it drops its flowers very quickly, yeah? Is that the one? Yeah, they start off um, sort of... uh, And that's indoor, isn't it? Dark mode, it's indoors, yeah. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. the indoor one. Yeah, that's rather nice. I've grown that years ago. I haven't seen Mm. seen one around for a few years. What would you like to know about it anyway? Well, it's, it's in a pot, which is about... 16 inches I suppose across and, and the same deep it's in my bathroom which I've got a very large bathroom mm-hmm. so it's nice when the flowers are out yeah good <laughs> and um, it's gone leggy and right. some of some of the leaves are, are brown at the ends right and I, I think I'm afraid to prune it because I've had it a long time and I'm very fond of it okay how long? How long ago did you repot it? It and hasn't been repotted for some years. Is the pot very full of plant or not? Well, the plant it's uh, I have, it's so heavy. I haven't looked at the bottom to see if there's anything happening down there. Now, I wasn't thinking but, um, of that. If right, if you want to keep it in that pot, it's worth it's worth just scraping, scraping some off the top and putting yeah, something else in. Fresh yeah. compost in there. Then what I would hmm. do is. Now, this plant isn't a total bush. It's got, it'll have pieces sticking up, won't it, that are growing tall and bushy, yeah? Yeah, it's about uh, three foot high and probably yeah, the hot. same spread. What I would do is, if you can go down some of the stems and just nip the tops out, you might be able to do it. I don't know. No, it might be, you might have to use scissors or even your nails, depending on how sharp your nails are. And just nip some out and try and encourage it to branch lower down. That's the only thing you can do with it. Right. Okay. But don't do all of it. Don't do all of it. Do half Uh of it. uh, I don't mean half, you know, to the right of it. I mean half across the whole plant. And I think Mm. you'll find that you can sort it out that way. I'll give it a go. I don't want to lose it. No, that's why I'm saying. That's that's why I'm saying be, be, uh, be very careful that you do it in that way. Is yeah. that all right? Yeah? I'll have a go. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, and let's nip on to, on to, oh, let's, let's talk to, uh, talking Paul from Bocking. Your rhubarb. Good morning. Rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb. Yeah? Oh, mate, don't. Um, I can remember years ago, we used to have a neighbour. They yeah. came to live beside us. They used to keep a pub in Bocking. They were an elderly couple. 
Uh-huh. And they brought some rhubarb with them, which actually they grew in their garden. They used to keep giving that to my nanny. Oh, right, I have some rhubarb. Yeah. And they've got a leaf on it, bigger than a dustbin lid. And my nanny cooked it once, and she'd never cook it no more because it was so un... It was, it was acidy as hell. She said it ain't no good for cooking, but she didn't want to be seen as being rude, and she'd keep accepting it, but she wouldn't cook it. We grew some of our own, which was completely different. I want to grow some rhubarb. What sort would you advise me to go for? For the kitchen, which isn't going to be too sharp. There's, there's some nice ones on so I'm believe. There are some, there's some good rhubarbs around. And in fact, I mean, the thing is, there's, there's one called Timberley's Early, which was one that I always used to like. Um, that's quite a good one. But there are, there are some also some newer varieties around. Um, and some that keep nice and red, and particularly um, there's one called ras- uh, ra- I think it's called raspberry red. I don't know why. Well, I suppose because of its colour, raspberry red, and that is supposed to keep its colour, which I think makes it, you know, quite a good one to think about. So yeah. that that's one called raspberry red, and the other one I've come across that I've seen grown quite well was one called Livingstone, which was quite Livingstone. good. Okay. I mean, uh, that, you know, how would you advise me to start them off? You know, obviously, you're, you know, we've right, got hang on. And, and also, a one that I've, I, I think is grown a lot, and you see it on a lot of allotments, is one called Champagne. I would say that's not so new, but that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. And that's called okay. Champagne. That's a good one. I believe that's what we had. I believe that's what we had years ago. Yeah, it's, it is an older variety. Yeah, how would you advise us to start off then? Would you be looking for, obviously, from a pot and then transfer? It's the right time to plant rhubarb. If we were even dividing and replanting rhubarb, we will be doing it at this time of the year. So it's a good time to buy it. You can see it in nurseries, garden centres, mail order. It's everywhere at this time of the year. Okay, that's lovely. All right, but don't... Thank you very much. Hang on, though. Hang on. One thing is when you plant it, don't pull it this year. You've got to leave it for at least a year. Leave it till next year before you actually pull any of the leaves, uh, any of the stems. Lovely. Thanks very much for your show. Well done. And loads of compost round it because they love compost. (laughs) Yeah, great stuff. Cheers, fella. Thank you. then. Look Bye. after it. Okay, and we go to Christine in Runwell. Hello, Christine. Hello. Hello there. All right, okay. I ordered... You sat... Now, come on, you sound fed up, Christine. It's not well, that bad, is it? Well, it is, because I ordered some magnolias, standards. Yeah. They've arrived, bare-rooted. Yeah. And I can't do anything with them, can I? Look. Well, the ground's rock hard right. and frozen, and I've got them in a the bucket because they told me don't let the roots dry out. Ah, but don't leave them in the bucket. No, if okay. You leave, if you leave them too long in the bucket, they drown, you see, so don't just leave them there forever. See right, that they're okay. kept, kept moist, all right? What, what can I do with Well, them? next week we've got temperatures of 9 degrees. It's going up and up and up next week, and oh. lots of rain, so there'll be no... <laughs> And if, <laughs> there's a forecast of 10 degrees on Monday, and that's only two days away. So there'll be no frost, nothing. Put your put your Mac on, put your put your hoodie on, get a get a hat on, put your wellies on, and get, get out, out there. and get out there and do your garden. How about that for a suggestion? Are you going to plant? Are you going to plant them in the garden or in containers? Well, 
they're going in containers. Right, OK, containers. If you're going to plant them in containers, see that you've got something at least 30 centimetres across. And also, I would use a John Innes number three. What is that? All right. Ericaceous um, or no, no. no. Use it if you. Which one have you got? Which magnolia have you got? Pink one. Do you know which it is? Is it Slangiana? No, I haven't got a clue. No, okay. On offer. Right. If you can and find, I'm a, I'm if a you right. On offer. Okay. If you can find a. John Innes, Ericaceous, use that. If not, use uh, a normal number three and then just feed it with a miracle, uh, one of the acid feeds off yeah, and on and okay. I think you'll look after it fine. All right? All right. Yeah, lovely. Thank you. Okay, look forward to some fine rainy weather next week. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much. Bye. bye bye there. I haven't forgotten Roy, but I just wanted to go to Douglas. Hello, Douglas. You're in Mer- Mersey Island, yep. Yep, yeah, that's right. I'd you... just like to know when I can shift three-year-old roses in the ground. Right, you'll be for... actually a three-year-old won't have produced too much hard, heavy root, so you should be able to do that pretty well now, actually, quite honestly. Um, oh, lovely. But see that you get down deep enough so that the tap root, which is the main root that goes down, you get as much of that as possible. The thing that you've got to be careful of, I mean, if you can, dig right round it and hold the soil and everything together, that'll be much, much better. Yeah? Right. Because what happens if with a rose, it's got a very thick, heavy root, and then it produces little fine roots off it, which are its feeder roots, and they're whitish looking. But when you dig a rose up, if you pull it through the soil, all these white roots get knocked off. So it would be much better if you can sort of slide it onto a piece of polythene, dig your hole elsewhere where it is, slide it across or lift it across to where it's going, dig the hole first, and then you put the whole thing in. Then all you do is pull the polythene away and the rose is settled into the hole again. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, got all that. Plant it at the the same height and come the end of this month, give it a blooming good rose feed with a good rose fertiliser. It will make so much difference. Lovely. All okay. right, then. Thank you very much. That's a pleasure. Give us a call yes, now, right. 0300 200 40 41. That's 0300 200 40 41. There's a line for it at the moment. Roy, I said I would talk to you about uh, plants and roses particularly, you mentioned. Um, you've lost your wife recently. And I, I, I must say that I think that trees, plants, roses... I think are absolutely fantastic things to remember people by. I have planted many a tree in memory of people, and of course they last for years and years and years. In white, roses are very attractive indeed. I mean, you know, you've got, depends where it's going, you've got things like Virgo that are really very high indeed, as you can imagine, um, because obviously Virgo is one of the old famous ones. It has a very uh, high, high growth. It's a floribunda. Um, if you have, and not, not, you know. And then let's look at some bushes. I'm just trying to think. I mean, a white camellia would be very nice. It's evergreen all year, which can look really fantastic. Um, there are some, you know, really gorgeous things that you could go to. If you wanted something that was this time of the year you could you that would flower and be fragrant at this time of the year you could use um 
Lanistra Fragrantissima, which has got a, a, a perfume like hyacinths, if you wanted it for this time of the year, because now is when it is flowering. So there are so many. There's um, White Parfum de Pro Provence is another lovely white one. You've got uh, one called uh, White Night and White Gold. There are several white roses. What I would suggest is, depending on the height you want them to grow, go to a good garden centre and look at white roses. Um, hybrid teas and floribundas will give you a rose of about three foot. But also remember, if you want one that's more delicate, you could find yourself a patio rose in white again. There are, there's some ideas. Camellias, Lanistra fragrantissima, that is, is flowering and perfumed at this time of the year. And if I think anything while we're chatting of more white things that you could be using, I will mention them as we go through the programme. Uh, Roy, get something planted and it's there for years to come to remind something that's very special. Back to the phones now on 0300 200 40 41. That's 0300 200 40 41. That's the number to call. And Brian from Thundersley has given us a call. Hello, Brian. Hi, Ken. Um, yes, uh, I've got this Ponsettia and uh, it's about 17 months old. Uh, I managed to sort of like nurse it all the way through last summer and uh, I didn't actually get the leaves to turn red i tried uh, putting it in the dark just before christmas time but uh, didn't quite work but uh, now it's getting a little bit spindly and uh, um, it started to um the, the leaves have come off uh, yep. a lot of the stems uh -huh. uh, but the the top of the stems it started to sprout again now i don't know how tall this is going to get because it's um 19 inches at the moment and it started to sprout and it's going to get obviously a lot taller and but uh, the rest of the branches seem a little bit uh, sparse for leaves because they've all fallen off or most of them have anyway so what should i do with it should i cut it down and take a chance right okay well the correct thing to do is it's too early to do what you want to do no no let's start again do you want a very large plant or do you want a compact plant Compact. I want it right. basically how it was bought. Actually, okay, that wasn't right. That's fine. Tall. That's fine. So what you need to do is you you wait till the end of the month, and I know that means that some of the top growth will have sprouted a bit more. Yeah. But we need a bit more daylight to make uh -huh. it grow successfully. Right. So what we normally do is we pot them onto a one size larger pot. Yeah. Uh, don't disturb the roots too much, but just go one pot higher if you can. Yeah. Um, good houseplant compost will do the trick. And then cut the stems down to about six inches. Ah, right. Yes. And they will sprout from the base. Now, I know there is a slight chance that they won't all because you've got several stems because they're taking... Uh, normally, there's several cuttings are placed in a pot. Have you got two or three, something like that? Yes, yes, that's yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, that should be fine, and that's what you do with it. Then you treat it just like a houseplant, feed it well through the summer period and you'll get lovely green growth and then you're going towards the autumn you can then start treating it to encourage those red bracts to come right all right okay. yeah. i'm only saying i mean it's warm next week um i suppose because i've got a, had a cold spell i'm inclined to think oh we've got to wait a little while but once you're into the middle middle towards the end of march you can do that and get on with it okay yeah, OK, Ken, thanks. Brian, come back and let us know how it looks when you've, when you've got it growing, OK? OK, 
Okay, thanks for help. Okay, hey, bye. Pleasure. Bye bye there. Um, right, uh, let's um, let let's look at Val from Hullbridge and Val. Good morning, Ken. You've got a north-facing fence, have you? Yes, it's very bare, I'm afraid. I oh, dear. Uh, had a bit of a blitzkrieg on it and took a load of uh, old um, shrubs out. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely re-dug the bed last year yeah. uh, with compost manure, and I put a climbing rose in, that fragrant climbing rose, um, that's meant for a north-facing wall. Yes, because there are... Is, is completely bare. Yeah, there are a few roses around, aren't they, that will tolerate north-facing? I mean, there's yeah. not that many, but there are a few. Um Okay, uh, they've got to climb up, or can they be freestanding? What are you looking for? Or um, do you want it anything, against the fence? Anything that um, right, okay. I can plant against the, the fence or grow up it. Something okay. that's fairly rapid, if possible. Oh, rapid's not easy, but um, right. anyway. First thing I would suggest is climbing hydrangea, which is hydrangea petiolaurus. Now, these are not evergreen, but they have a nice winter-coloured stem. And they produce small florets of, they're not large hydrangea flowers, but small hydrangea flowers on them. And they've got a lovely ovate leaf, which is a brightish green. I think they're worth growing. They stick themselves to the fence by a little suck, by the roots. They work really well on fences. Okay? That's hydrangeas. Climbing, if you just ask for a climbing hydrangea, you won't go far wrong on that. Okay? And um, then. Let me think what else. Uh, then the other thing is um, you could use Gary Elliptica. Now, Gary Elliptica is tassel bush. Oh, yes, You'll I like that. Now, you see those around a lot at the moment, okay? Mm-hmm. So you might be able to see those, see those and they'll, they'll be quite, you know, useful. They'll be with their tassels on in garden centres and nurseries at the moment, right. yeah? Um, let me think about else. Some of the you could use some of the um, hydro, um, oh, clematis. I've grown cirrhosa. Um, cirrhosa. Just mm, spell it how you how it sounds, and that if you said right. cirrhosa, okay. yeah. you'd be all right. Some of the cirrhosas, people will tell you they'll only grow on south facing. Is this quite close to the house or not? Um, no. Oh, don't well, grow it. Don't grow it because the flower's too small to enjoy at this time of the year. All right, OK. So don't do that one. Right, I mean, and uh, so your Gary Lipticus is an evergreen. Your other one isn't an evergreen. You could grow Cotoniaster. Some of the Cotoniasters grow very well up against walls uh-huh. and fences. So they do quite well. Um, and uh, pyracanth is a bit spiky, but it will produce you a nice berry in the winter, as well as the cotoniaster. Yeah, I've got pyracanth in the front. Oh, we'll use cotoniaster then. Right. Cornubii is quite vigorous, but can be controlled. But if you go and ask for cotoniaster to go at the back of a board or against a fence, the garden centre should be able to help you out yeah. on that one. Yeah. Is that a few to get on with? Yes, that's lovely. Thank you very much indeed. That's a pleasure. That's what we're here for on 0300 200 4041. There's a line free at the moment. It's 0300 200 4041. Sarah has moved to a new house three years ago and established a sour cherry tree which has produced a lot of fruit for the last two summers. I wonder how big it is. Unfortunately, all this fruit has got small holes and maggots are in them. I would start off by putting a grease band on the tree um 
that's what I would do. And you could try a pheromone trap. But the grease band is going to be the most important thing. Depending on the size of the plant, there is still a winter wash, which will help. It won't cure, but it might help. There's a winter wash, which while the plant has no leaves on it, you could use that. That could help it. So they are, there's some of the things. Grease band, pheromone trap, and also a winter wash. That's a good starting point. Uh, we've had a note from Liz in Colchester, and she says, <coughs> Daffodils are very tough flowers. Um, she says, do you need to brush the snow off them? I think it's because I was talking about brushing snow off plants, but I wasn't talking about brushing snow off daffodils. Leave daffodils well alone. They will perk up all on their own. What I was talking about brushing uh, stuff off was brushing stuff off things like um, conifers and soft shrubs where the limbs could be broken. And that's what um, that's what's important. The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast. Answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Right now on BBC Essex Gardening, our podcast... I have got some more gardening tips for you. Well, in fact, I've got one particularly that I like to think about. Hellebores. You can buy them in garden centres and nurseries at the moment. They're in full flower. There's some glorious colours. There's purples, whites, and, of course, some of the some of the uh, excellent colours of creams and yellows and pinky colours ones as well. But if you've got them growing in your garden, yes, they sometimes look a bit untidy at this time of the year because the leaves have actually... They've been damaged. Yeah, they get diseased. They get a spot on them. And the spot damages the look of the flower. So what I do is I just cut them off. Cut those damaged leaves off and expose the flowers. It's as simple as that. They are? There's a tip for you. Show the hellebores off. And if you haven't got any in your garden, get some. They love dappled shade. Now, this week it has, it's been snowy and I hope you've gone round the garden and it's a tip that you should always remember if we get more snow or you've got snow is that you just nip round, knock off the snow, off any soft plants, conifers and stuff like that. It's really so important. Anyway, hopefully we won't get any more snow. We'll keep listening to the podcast as there's still more hints and tips to come. <laughs> The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Roy from Clacton has come back to us and he uh, he wanted a good plant with white flowers to plant uh, in the pot. In a pot it is. I missed that one. Any suggestion? And what I uh, suitable for a pot, I, I would suggest maybe a white patio rose or if you want a large pot, definitely. My favourite is going to be camellia. It really is. Camellia is something that gives one so much pleasure. It's a joy to grow. And all you need to do with camellias is keep them out of the morning sun. Dappled shade is where they like. And you can go on from there and keep them in good condition. Um, somebody did email me about a a trug. They've got an outside trug. We thought that these little lettuce leaves in a trug would have survived the Arctic conditions we've had this week. 
Um, she's grown lettuce outside in a truck against the wall. I think, quite honestly, you'd be lucky if they do. But what I'd like you to do, Sue, is give us a call and see what happens by the end of the week. I think uh, with the frost, the leaf will have been damaged, just as they get damaged if they're up against the freezer in a in a fridge. They get damaged, so they are. But you've got a lovely uh, a lovely bench there, and I don't know what it is on the end, but it looks like a bay tree, but I don't know what it is. Perhaps you'd like to tell us. Um, and we could have a look at that as well. So they are. there's plenty of things that you can be chatting about right now here on BBC Essex. Give us a call now, 0300 200 4041. It's as simple as that. Or you can message us straight into the studio. And that comes in on 81333. That's 81333. And that's what we need to do. So they are. Eight one triple three. That's the that's the one. So uh, off we go, and we'll be just coming up in just a moment with some more discussions of what you could be doing in the garden. But in the meantime, oh three hundred two hundred forty forty one. That's the number. Let's talk gardening all the way through till twelve. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. We'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's take a final look at the tips for this week. And let's start by reminding you that it's time to order your asparagus. Now, if you haven't grown asparagus, it's so easy. I've grown asparagus in my dad's uh, vegetable plot many, many years ago, and they really were so easy. Everybody thought, oh, it's difficult, it's difficult. Yeah, it only comes from Norfolk and the Fens. No, it doesn't. It grows well in Essex. All you need to do is build a good amount of soil. I, I actually raise my bed up just a little bit higher than the rest of the vegetable pot by adding a good amount of compost. Because remember, asparagus is in there for some time. I did it in a square rather than a long line, so I did a block of it, if that makes sense. Several lines, but in a small block, rather than going across the whole veg plot. I found it easier to control and easier to look after. Order... Uh, good crowns from a well-known uh, possibly mail order or garden centre and have a good look at their strength. You want a nice strong one. Go to someone that is um, renowned for asparagus and you will have some fine results. You won't get it in the first year, but you will get it in the second year. And don't forget, keep it lovely and weed-free and leave those ferns on because the ferns feed the root which gives you those lovely asparagus spears next year. Talking of planting, it's a great time to get hold of your shallots at this time of the year. Now, the weather's not been great lately. Um, it might It's supposed to be warming up this week, but a lot of rain. It might not be ideal to get your shallots in the garden, but it's a good time to at least buy them. I love cooking with shallots, far better than onions, even better than cooking with red onions. Uh, but it's, it's worth buying them now. And if you haven't got anywhere, or you've got a cold frame or a cold greenhouse or maybe even a cold conservatory, it's worth popping them into a three-inch pot, single ones into a good compost, let them grow on, and that way, when they've grown on a bit and the soil out in the garden has warmed up a little bit, you can pop them straight into your veg plot. That's what I used to do down at my dad's all those years ago. So they are asparagus, shallots. You can still put a bit of, uh, uh, a bit of uh, onion sets in. They'll be appearing soon. Check out those winter overwintering onion sets as well. And don't forget, if you see garlic on the shelf, 
pop a bit of garlic in as well. Still plenty of time to grow that as well, even though November is the perfect month to plant it. Anyway, let's get straight back to your gardening questions right now. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. We go first to Christine from Benfleet, and she's on the phones now. Hello, Christine. Oh, hello, Ken. Um, my question's about a holly tree. Um, I, we, we've got three of them. We've planted in a row. Um, we bought them, I suppose, about four years ago. This one is about four feet, four and a half feet high, I suppose. Um, it's one of one of the one of the trees has got a variegated and it's prickly. The other one is similar. They've both had berries. The one I'm speaking about, it's a smoother one. It isn't a prickly holly. It's a some of them have like like a small laurel. Yeah, some of them almost. some it of them haven't berries. some of them haven't got um, no. prickles at all hardly. No, but what we're wondering about is it's very leggy. Yep. Um, there's plenty of leaves at the end, but for about. Um, about 18 inches. It's all um, just a plain branch with leaves at the end. We're just wondering, should we cut it back? Can we cut it well, back? Well, you should have possibly pruned it earlier, but oh. I would suggest you do, and I'm sure it will branch. You know, they're pretty resilient hollies, and if uh-huh. you cut it back... I would think it will branch from the from the from the base of the stems, and you'll get new fresh branches from the sides. Yeah. Oh, right, right, yes. And you can um, do that. You could do that next week. You know, you won't hurt by doing it now. Yeah, oh, do it. Right, okay. I mean, people do evergreens in theory are done in sort of April, May, but you, with a holly, you could do it pretty well any time of the year. Quite hardy, right? Yeah. Oh. Okay, lovely. Yeah, thanks for that advice. That's Thank okay, you. Christine. Let's know where, what and how it bushes out for you, yeah? W- yeah, will do when it happens, yeah. Okay, okay Christine. You. That's Christine from Benfleet. Gave us a call on 0300 200 41. Steve from Epping. Hello, Steve. Oh, hello, Ken. Yeah, I've got a question about uh, a beach hedge for yep. pruning. It's um, well-established. It's probably getting on towards 20 foot high, which is the right height I want it at. But the the reverse side of it, where my neighbour's side, is it's got really grown out and lanky, it needs cutting back. And I just wanted to know when the best time to prune it back. Well, beech hedges should always to keep the leaf, which I imagine it has. It's got leaf on it, has it? It, it has, yeah. Well, yeah. it's just, just a reminder. The best time to actually um, plant uh, prune a beech hedge is, of course, is. You do it in August. Now, the reason you do it in August is because it holds its leaves well. However, if you've got an overgrown or a damaged beech hornbeam hedge, now is the right time to cut those back. So, in fact, you'd be doing it now. Right, OK. Just the best time. So you're actually spot on at doing it now. Oh, right. I'll have a word with my neighbour and see if I can get that done. Get round there and cut it hard, hard back, get some new fresh growth in there, and then it will thicken itself up, won't it? Yeah, oh, that's great. All right. Okay, I've just got it right. Thanks yep. very much. Thanks very much for your call. That's Steve Love from Epping. Uh, Steve from Epping, and just a note here from Brian in Colchester. I said he's boasting about it. he's got a two and a half foot tall poinsettia, now four years old, has red leaves at present. But his, um, you see, he's got a big poinsettia. You can, you can grow them huge. But what he's saying is, well, would Boston ivy grow on a sheltered northeast wall with a fence to climb on? The answer is yes. Uh, hang on, Boston ivy. Depends which beech, 
be careful which one you buy because Boston Ivy covers quite a quite a wide range, and some of them are self-clinging, some aren't. If you get uh, some, you want it to be self-clinging. The answer is yes, it will. So buy the right one. Check when you buy it that it is self-clinging because sometimes they're sold as Boston Ivy or sometimes as Virginia Creeper. And if you get a Virginia Creeper, they aren't. They actually they climb on trellises and wires and not on by sticking onto the fence. So you want the right one. So be careful that you buy the right one. We go back to the phones. That number to call is 0300 200 4041. We can fit one more in for you if you want. And let's go now to um, David in South Hanningfield. Hello, David. Hello, Ken. Good morning. Hi. Um, Ken, uh, I've ordered some couple of blueberry bushes which I'm uh, wanting to plant out in a kitchen border yep. near, near some rhubarb. Yep. The border itself has had a lot of organic matter in it over the years, uh, some well-rotted um, horse manure as well as from our own compost. Uh, I seem to remember reading in an RHS thing that they suggested digging out a lot of the soil and lining it with a, a black liner and then backfilling it with appropriate soil. Is it necessary to go as far as that, or, or can I just per- plant them in, in a mix of ericaceous and what soils there now? Personally, I would add a lot of ericaceous compost to what you've got now mm-hmm. and see that I fed them with a good ericaceous food. That's all I would do. I would not go too fast. However, if you're worried, plant them in a large container and sink the container in, and that way you could, you could control it much better. How about yeah, that for an idea? An idea. All yes. right. Okay, David. Okay, thanks, Ken. Thank you. It's a pleasure. That's David in South Hanningfield. And we go to Jennifer in Whitham. Hello, Jennifer. Hello there. My what? husband has a newly created raised bed. Fantastic. 12 by 4, roughly. Lovely size. And he wants to make it into a vegetable patch. Yeah, okay. What can he plant to the best advantage to use right. it? Right, he's filled it up with soil and got it all ready? Yes, it's all ready to go. Right. Well, I mean, honestly, a raised bed is what you fancy growing. It it makes no difference that it's raised. It's not not a trug, is it? It's on the ground still, isn't it? No, no, no. It's in the ground? Yes. Yeah. You can grow absolutely anything that you fancy in a raised bed. You could grow your cabbages. You could start by putting in shallots at this time of the year as soon as we get a bit of warm weather. You could grow some asparagus, anything like that? Um, Well, we want things, really, that we're going to be able to use on a daily basis. Right, Um, Okay. uh, Things like asparagus are long-term. Yes, go Go for spinach, salad salad crops like lettuce, cut again uh, salad crops. You could grow spring onions. A bit later on, you could grow courgette. Put the courgettes on the corners and they'll hang off the edge, and that way you don't use up too much ground. They'll hang into the... Is it a lawn below it or what? No, it's... Well, it's uh, a small path by it. And if you if you like something for next winter, you could start off sprouts, winter cabbages, all that sort of stuff can be started now. So they're nice and easy. So there, there's some what to get. Beans, beans, bit later on, fence but yeah. behind it. Ideal. You could put a, a bean net up the fence, and you could grow runner beans up there as well, and a few French beans in the front. I tell you what, you could keep yourself self-sufficient all summer. How about that? That's just what you want.
Thank All you right. very much. Okay, Jennifer. What about don't... tomatoes? Could we put tomatoes in? Yeah, there? a couple of tomatoes in, but see that you don't put stuff in too early. Okay? All right. Thank you. Bye. Pleasure. Bye bye. That's Jennifer from Witten. That's lovely. Raised bed, 12 by 4. Now let's talk to Steve in Thorpe Bay. Hello, Steve. Uh, yes, good morning to you, Ken. I'm about to um, plant, I've bought a pear conference on rootstock where, you know, the roots are sort of wrapped up in a little plastic bag and I'm yep. going to sort of plant it Monday, Tuesday. Yep. But I wondered if I could put, once I've dug the hole, if I could put something in to sort of help it. I don't know, farmyard right. okay. manure or... No, 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 no. Don't no. put farmyard manure in, no, <laughs> definitely not. Um, either use, if you've, have you got potting compost in the, in yep. the garden at all? Yeah, yeah. Right, potting compost, uh, there is a tree and shrub compost, but don't yep. worry, potting compost is fine, but... Do not just dump it in the hole because what's the what's the ground like at Thorpe Bay, Steve? It's very clay. Right, it's very clay. Fine. So that's why you don't just dump it in the bottom of the hole because then you produce this sort of messy mess in the bottom that's peat or compost based and it just rots the roots. So what we do now is we dig a hole when we're ready to plant. Check that you've dug the hole with the roots spread enough to do it. Fine. And then what you need to do is mix the compost with the soil that you've dug out. Yeah. Put a little bit in the bottom and stir into that bottom piece of the hole. Right, right. Then when you replace the soil around the roots of the of the pear tree, you've got it mixed with compost. Yeah. Yeah, and then no, next, that's great. I can do that. I've got a big green truck, so I'll go. mix it all up in there. Got it. And I'll do that um, that's, Monday, Tuesday. That's great, Ken. That's Thanks very job. much. Okay, they are. That's Steve in Thorpe Bay. He's planting a pear tree, and we go to Derek from Stock. Hello, Derek. You're the last call today. Good morning, Ken. You may remember you came over last year and had a look at our fuchsias that had I the did, gall mite. I did, Derek, yes. Well, we did everything that we, you and I spoke about. We pulled up all of the hybrids and burnt them. Good. Uh, we... Left our standards, cut them right back to the wood. Excellent. They've then gone into the greenhouse. They're now starting to shoot yep. and blow me the gall mites there again. Yeah. It's, I, it's I wondered if you'd had any luck finding anything else that we could spray them with. No, the only thing that people are suggesting is, is Bug Clear Ultra, which is the only thing that's around that's systemic. So it's yep. worth a try. That's the only thing. Bug Clear? Ultra. Right, thank you very much, Ken. We'll give, give it that a, a crack then. Give it a try, Derek, and let me know how you get on. Okay? We'll do. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Then. And uh, how do you take the flowers off the Gary Elliptica? Why would you take the flowers off the Gary Elliptica? Last year I must have done it wrong, as I've done nothing this year. I don't understand that, because Gary Elliptica produces tassels and you wouldn't actually set them off at all. So I don't get that one at all, why you would. Um, the Nisra flowered about a month ago. Yes, will it give off more flowers this year? Depends. If it is the hu- it's the shrubby honeysuckle, the answer is no. If it's a honeysuckle that's a climber, yes, it will. Um, and yes, I wouldn't flower it. I wouldn't prune it at all. Leave it alone. If it gets leggy, cut it back. Um, but keep asking the questions and perhaps next week you'll give us a call and uh, we can answer more of your questions. We're here to help you, Debbie. So they are. But leave your Gary Elliptica alone completely. Do not actually 
cut that back. It doesn't like it. When's the best time to prune roses, I'm getting asked. When is the best time to prune roses? Well, I'll tell you when the best time to prune roses is. It's about now. Now, people haven't been pruning them at all because they were worried about the weather. But um, quite honestly, you can. You can you can get out there now and prune your roses. It's going up to 10 degrees on Monday. So they are next week. That's the week to do your roses. The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast. Answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0300 200 40 41 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex.